and we are here. We are live with Katie Montgomery. Katie, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thanks. Friday I, uh, evening. Right. Good. <laughs> right. I'm high. <laughs> so you're coming fresh off of fresh off of Turf Wars, which is yep. one of the many projects that you have in the works that you're doing right now. I feel like I yep. every every time I turn around, I see you somewhere now. You were on Talk Heathen recently. Yeah. Which was, was fantastic. Yeah, that was um, I don't think there's anywhere that I can click on Twitter these days without seeing that you've already responded to whoever yeah. I was gonna respond to. That's a personal addiction problem that I have. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know of anybody else that I see who is like just diving face first into engaging with who, from like from where I'm sitting, I'm like I, I just don't even know how you deal with the the level of toxicity. Yeah, um, yeah, I do. I, kind of, I sometimes I do feel like I'm just walking into like a wasp's nest and just punching one of them and seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah, a, a little bit. I love so okay for those who who don't know who you are and what you do how would you describe your sort of growing presence online I would say I was a dickhead on the internet who argues with people <laughs> I am a um like I'm, I'm like a atheist skeptic but also a feminist and lgbt rights advocate I guess yeah. um and I when I see something that I think is wrong I just disagree with it yeah <laughs> That's kind well, of it like is, it's focused, I, focused argumentation. It's not like someone on Twitter is like, I like cornflakes. And you're like, no, you don't. It's, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's definitely a, a sort of a, a particular type of person who I see you engaging with, um, who yeah. is, is sort of who I want to talk about today. Um, so my channel, broadly speaking, is, is about skepticism and about um, promoting critical thinking. And you seem to be clashing all the time with a certain type of, of sort of failure of, of skepticism or, or sort of anti-skepticism, which is people who are very, very certain about things they don't know very much about. Yes, I, that's a, like, I kind of enjoy talking to people like that when they come in really hard, like, this is what science says. And they say it yeah. and then you're like, well, what about this? And they're like, yeah, but this. And then you're like, mm, what you just said contradicts what you just said before. So right. It's fun watching them trying to deal with that. <laughs> do you think there's something specific about the world of of like sex and gender that uh, what is it that attracts people like this so yeah. so strongly to it? The 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 people who who would sort of advertise themselves as being super logical um, don't seem to see where their own shortcomings are in this in this region. For some, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean there's a whole number of factors like certainly when it comes to um i guess feminism and lgbt issues and particularly yeah. trans issues um lots of people have this idea that it's all like nonsense and that i think that there's so much um you know when, when you grow up you kind of learn that like, they're like oh men and women and men do this and women do this and it's for a lot of people it's just something they accept sure. and often because of the pressures on LGBT people, you might meet LGBT people without realizing and they won't tell you because if they were open about it. So you just end up with this kind of like reinforced idea that all men are like this, all women are like this, and that's just how sure. it is. And then suddenly you go on the internet and you hear that there aren't just like one or two crazy people who are doing it different. There are like millions of people worldwide. And you're like, this must be wrong. Um, so that 
like that means that the science the science must agree with me because this is my lived experience for my whole life so i'm not gonna research it i'm just gonna go in and say they're wrong yeah um, i have this saying that i say quite a lot which is transphobia rots your brain um and i think it's true of homophobia and i think it's true of like you know it, sexism and any kind of irrational prejudice often you will you know you, you could consider yourself a skeptical person and you could come into lots of discussions in a skeptical way but then suddenly when it's about trans people particularly at the moment but other groups to set people off skepticism kind of goes out the window and you end up making these arguments that you would oh sorry my cat's here no um, apologies necessary ever for for pets <laughs> amazing well this is poppy um but yeah um you people like suddenly as soon as it goes into the realm of trans people or gay people or you know women's rights or something their skepticism like goes out the window and it's like some kind of brain rot where normally there are certain types of arguments they would recognize from a mile away as being yeah. nonsense you know they would say something like you know some people would be like oh well, my religion's true because most people believe in a god and you'd be like argument ad populum nonsense sure uh, and then all of a sudden it's like well most people don't most people think men and women are all there is so trans people are wrong yeah like, yeah, yeah. Well, why have you made this argument here it's nonsense um but it's i think it's it you know it, irrational prejudice isn't just ignorance it's like society's kind of like baked in prejudices that it puts on people and if they're very baked in if they're very strong reinforced ones that you've had your whole life it's quite hard to confront them you right. don't want to confront them well, that, well yeah i mean that, that might be the big thing because it, it seems to be and i don't see any group i mean it might just be the parts of the internet where i hang out but i don't see anybody exposed to such just blatant prejudice and 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 i mean even hatred yeah, uh, yeah. in the way that trans people are yeah. and people are just feel very comfortable um speaking very confidently in a way that that they wouldn't in a million years to, to anybody else there's this 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 dehumanizing thing that happens yeah. and and I, uh, I mean, I don't have to tell you about it. I mean, you, 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 you're like neck the, I, you dive face first into it on Twitter. I can't, it's, it's unbelievable. I like, I watch it. I'm like, how, how do you, I mean, you, you must get burnt out sometimes dealing with it. Yeah, I do burn out sometimes. I mean, one thing that I was naturally gifted slash cursed with is the ability to just keep arguing with people. There's something, there's something in my mind that I can, um, like disassociate, I can take the emotions out of the equation and it just becomes like maths to me. Someone mm. has said this and it has these three premises and they've said this and it has these three premises and these two premises are mutually exclusive. And it like, now it's just a logic puzzle. I've just got to get them to say those two premises and then done, I win. Yeah. Um, but in the process, you know, they'll dehumanize and they'll advocate to take away my freedom and they'll just say the most disgusting things. And, it's you know it can get to you but when i'm in like logic mode it's like yeah yeah okay you know they're calling me a subhuman like whatever 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 i want to go back to this premise that you said earlier which is a mutually contradictory <laughs> premise to your previous one sure. and um so i but yeah i think what burn what burns me out more is less coming up against hostile ag aggressive disgusting people but more the the idea that like my rights as a trans person are kind of on the line a little bit. Yeah. 
um, certainly in the UK. Um, I mean, the US and the UK have the different things going on. Every country has its own different thing. But the UK has got this very strong anti-trans movement at the moment, which is kind of leading the world on anti-trans movement. It, we're not... We're far from the most transphobic country. We're one of the best 20 countries in the world to be a trans person, I suspect. But we have a very strong movement with a lot of political power and a lot of money and stuff. And media. Uh, I mean, negative yeah, media the, seems... The media, media. Yeah. yeah. It's terrible, absolutely terrible. But the, so what, what burns me out is, like, you know, I can argue with 100 knobheads in one day, back to back, and humiliate them all, and they will all call me horrible things. But then... And then oh, there'll be a news story saying, oh, government considering banning me from the toilets. Yeah. And that's what gets me because yeah. I just feel like it's out of my control and it's it's horrible. It's, it's the stress of like, what's my future? Yeah. It's, it's the worst part, definitely. I wonder how many people, I mean, please, if you're at home watching this and you're, you know, you've never thought about this, I, I you, almost certainly you have used the bathroom with the trans person at some point in your life like <laughs> there's yeah. i i don't know why people think that this is is some sort of developing thing that we have to like get ahead of you know that that, that seems to be the way that it's talked about yeah. as if as if trans people had never existed before jk rowling started tweeting about it you know it's it, i Obama don't know them in 2009 I think sure sure <laughs> like i i and this is a, another thing that, that just drives me crazy. And it's, it's the, it's the it's sort of the same problem that I run into with a lot of folks that I talk to about religion. It's like, well, I heard X from my pastor, my priest, my, you know, whatever, therefore it must be true. And for mm -hmm. some reason in the United States, I, I can't tell you how many people I've met who it's like, well, I heard leading scholar Joe Rogan talk for five minutes about being scared of of trans athletes, so I feel like I've got this all figured out. Yeah, Joe Rogan posting a picture of a trans man being forced to wrestle with women, and then using it as evidence of why trans women shouldn't be able to compete. Yeah. I yeah, I, I had someone ask me about about this recently because I I've done uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and mixed martial arts before, and I was asked what I thought of a particular uh, trans athlete. Um, a woman, Fallon. Fallon Fox, being able to compete. And people keep returning to this. Yeah, they do. And do, do you have a take on this? I'll share mine yeah. as well, but but what, what's your what's your perspective on this? So um, there are a handful of like celebrity trans hate people that are like internationally famous. One of them is Fallon Fox. Um, one of them is um, Rachel McKinnon, who's uh, who is now called Veronica Ivy, um, who won a cycling championship. There's um, Laurel Hubbard, who's a weightlifting. A weightlifting they are, sure, yeah. yeah and, and I think most people who have even spent five minutes talking about trans rights on Twitter will have encountered these same five examples. You would have seen the same five photos. And it's right. always like, here's a scary looking trans person next to a small little woman. How can this be fair? And that's like the whole argument. Um, and particularly Fallon Fox, for a few reasons. Um, I think that for men in particular, um, when you say trans women and sport, the first thing they think of is fighting. I think lots of women think about running or, you know, just sports mm. in general. Yeah. But uh, there is a certain type of man who, when you say sport, they think of boxing, they think of UFC, they think of MMA, because it's 
like the most manly sport, I guess. And then in their mind, any man can beat any woman in a fight. And then they also think, um, oh, you know, trans women are just men. Therefore, it's like a man fighting a woman. And they're like, well, I could sure. beat any woman in a fight. So this is obviously unfair. And they get that kind of like, you know, we need to protect women. That You know, that kind yeah. of like, oh, you don't hit women, you hit men. Right. Right. Um, so it's kind of that distilled. So they always go to UFC or MMA. And then Fallon Fox is like the celebrity hate person. She's like the only trans fighter who's achieved anything she has i think her career was like two wins one loss retire or something Something, so yeah i I actually i hate fighting i don't like boxing i can't watch it i but i in arguing have to learn about all these people so i know like so much about ufc and fallon fox different fallon fox um fractured someone's orbital ridge um which is actually a common ish um ufc injury so that's just like you know punching someone in the head and yep. a bit of skull fracturing or something um and but you can sell that as a man fought a woman in ufc and cracked her skull broke her skull yes that and, and that's that's how the question was posed to me was, yeah, what do you think so about then, this yeah. and that's the generic thing and people will say that to each other and so you the idea is like some random just hears a man fought a woman and broke her skull do you think that's fine and obviously unless like no right and then right. and then they're like well that's what trans people want they want men breaking <laughs> skulls in women and you're like gosh if, if and if you don't apply any skepticism at all you're just like well, I, I don't want that, so I must be a... Like, I don't hate trans people. Right. I don't think this is good, and if this is where the trans movement has got to, then I'm I'm not I'm not anti-trans rights. I'm just drawing a line here. And then you're like, oh, they also want to, like, indoctrinate children. And then, you know, it's, it starts snowballing from there, and you're on the conspiracy theory train. But, like, if you look at the actual fight, and, then, and it's usually accompanied with this picture of Fallon Fox and then a lady just covered in blood... And that's like the one that they show you. And this lady covered in blood is actually someone she's never fought. And it's just, you get these memes where like people create a meme and then it's one everyone shares. And right. then all of a sudden, and, and I, like I end up learning all of these histories of them and like, oh, his picture we see all the team all the time. Like another classic is this picture of Iran's women's football team. And they're like eight of the 11 women here are trans women. And it's just false. And it just comes from some crazy person's blog, but it like blew up and now it's like a meme. And so now everyone asks about it. Um, again, just UFC is just something that people always go to because it's just men fighting women in their mind. So. In their mind. Yeah. And I've heard people talk about it in that way. The <laughs> when, when I was asked about it, the uh, the basic response that I gave was I, I've, I've got at this point 20 years of experience in jujitsu um, and I also was in the in the military. I was in the army and served with men and women. Um, and uh, so you're like, literally like a ninja soldier. Well, I've, <laughs> I've retired. I've got. I'm, I'm disintegrating. I, okay. I always tell people my body is a temple, but it's like one of those Indiana Jones temples that's crumbling, and the <laughs> monkeys have taken over. So, but I've I've trained with elite women who who were fighters. And it, without exception, those women were competitors first and everything else was secondary. For women who I served with in the army, it, there was this, this idea that once I put this uniform on, I am sort of no longer a gendered individual. I'm just a soldier and I'm expected to do a job and I want to do a job and be treated as an equal. 
and the the sort of paternalistic impulse that I see of of and it's it, it seems to be almost entirely men who I hear this from yeah. um, of wanting to step in and protect the the women fighters. I, I know for a fact those women fighters don't want or need your protection. <laughs> and, and 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 as a woman, Fallon Fox should have every opportunity to compete against any other woman who wants to get in the ring and throw down with her. Period. And 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 I don't. They, they don't need your help is what yeah. I'm trying to tell people. It, it ends up being like the similar attitude to the like women shouldn't be on the front line, women shouldn't be in the army. Yeah, kind of. yeah, yeah. I, I guess saying on like competing, I think that another thing that's worth noting for like lots of fighting, like perhaps you know more about this than me, but lots of fighting, boxing, for example, and I think UFC has weight categories. Yeah. Um. So it's not like some six foot four trans woman who transitioned yesterday is fighting some five foot five like yeah like, your mom. like the they're fighting people who are the same build as each other roughly um and it's also important to note that there are hormone restrictions so this isn't like a man wearing a dress like this right. is someone who has medically transitioned and i'm not at all saying that someone who hasn't medically transitioned is a man wearing a dress like that's the meme and it's bullshit of course of course but someone who like you know, at one point in my life, I came out and I hadn't started hormones yet and I wouldn't have been able to compete in UFC then. If I did, I would have been destroyed by even like the most lowest <laughs> level women fighters for sure. But like, you know, that's not, there is, there are regulations on it. So once a trans woman meets the regulations and is in the right weight category, then, you know, it, it, that's that's what regulations are for. They're right. To make quite fair aren't they well and, and and people tend to to take it the next step they start talking about hormones they start talking about things like bone density and mm -hmm. and muscle fibers density, and yeah. yeah they love the bone density thing and i was i was telling uh my friend who asked me about this um years ago i met uh, a guy brock lesnar was the ufc heavyweight champion at the time he was a, a professional wrestler and brock lesnar next to me i mean it's it's like a I don't know, like a great Dane next to a, I don't know what I'm mean, like a bulldog or something, a Labrador. Yeah. And, and, and it's like hard to believe you're even the same species as this person. And if I were to work out as hard as I want for the rest of my life and gain a bunch of weight and get up to that weight class, Brock Lesnar is still going to have a different muscle composition and different bone density than me. The, 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 the arguments that are made unanimously fall apart when you when you start to really break them down but the the problem yeah. that i keep seeing is people do a little bit of work a little bit of thinking and they they think of their in, they get their intuition confused with with knowledge yeah um so with all that out of the way there are there are four questions that i ask everybody who comes oh, on my channel do one quick point yeah, about yeah. please point one. So I think for anyone who's just doing a surface level analysis and they're still feeling a bit like um, trans women have been allowed to compete in the Olympics since 2004. Not one in that whole time has been good enough to even qualify. If trans women were equal to cis women in com competition, you would expect roughly 0 0.3, 0 0.6, whatever percentage of the population is trans, you would expect um, qualifying and winning medals. And if it was unfair, then you would expect trans women to be winning. Maybe there are factors like transphobia and funding and all the other things. But the claim is usually trans women are dominating sports and the statistics just completely do not line up with that. So anyway, that, that would be my yeah. final point. Just like no, I, the actual numbers. Right. Yeah, please, people. I mean, 
It just drives me crazy because <laughs> the, 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 the motivated reasoning that goes in to, to justifying the, 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 frankly, that just the position of bigotry, um, you, whether you're talking to a racist or an anti-Semite or, you know, whatever, anti-trans, anti-gay people, they, they, they really think they've thought about it. Um, yeah. and so there's, there's this, this breakdown of critical thinking, um, that seems to be at the root of it all. As far as I can tell people who reach a conclusion that they find to be sort of comforting, this comforting certainty. And then they just are like, that's it. I'm not, I'm not learning any new things. I, I don't I like mean, those people. I feel like sometimes you have a position you want to be true and you like find a little route to make it make sense in your mind. And you're like, cool, that's it. I've done skepticism. Right, right. I, I do can't not tell stand it. Yeah. <laughs> or people, the other thing is, as long as I'm just bitching about people. <laughs> like, I see it a lot from people who are in the sort of skeptic community or the atheist community that are like, because... I am pretty sure I got the answer right on the question of whether there's a God or not. That means I am a perfectly rational, enlightened being, oh. and now I cannot be wrong about any more things. And it's like, you idiot. Yes, <laughs> yes, you can. I promise you can. Um, yeah. Anyway, let me get off my soapbox because I've got a <laughs> guess. Okay, so right. the four right. questions that I ask everybody. Uh, the first one is, is that if you were to identify one key feature of what you would think of as good or sound epistemology of people coming to, to you know, conclusions about about what is true um or what is real um what would you what would you identify the other way that i sort of form this question is i ask people if they could wave a magic wand and give everyone a tool to have better uh, epistemology what would you give them um that's that's an interesting question i guess um something that i encounter a lot is just people who I guess it's like the Dunning-Kruger effect where people mm. walk in and they think, well, I've like, I've watched five YouTube videos on this topic. Yeah, so yeah. I presume that the experts with several PhDs and 30 years experience, you know, they're probably just wrong. And I, I wish people could like learn because people hear like, oh, appeal to authority is like, you know, that's a logical fallacy. If I say, well, the king says that trans people are good, then, and, and they think that saying, oh, well, scientists are saying it is like an appeal to authority as well. Mm. And like, if they could learn the difference between like an appeal to expertise and appeal to authority, and also then understanding what the Dunning-Kruger effect is and how they're not immune to it. I just think, you know, there are sometimes I've walked into a conversation before and I felt like I know what I'm talking about. And then someone's like, um, this is the scientific consensus today. I'm like, well, I disagree with this. However, <laughs> I'm an idiot. And I spent like two hours thinking about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, these, like, the, and, and people love to do this like, oh, well, they used to think the world was flat, so therefore we can disregard the whole of ma mainstream science. You know, it's the classic like mm. anti-vaxxer, flat earther kind of, um, science was wrong once, so yeah, it's wrong yeah, yeah. now. Um, yeah. But people to understand how, like, the scientific um, method and process works, and like how we're all standing on like the shoulders of giants. And then if you're just a nobody, walks up to this tower of people standing on top of each other's knowledge, and you're just saying it's wrong because of something that I thought about this in the toilet the other day. Yeah. And <laughs> um, yeah, so if like. I guess that that's something I find very frustrating. People coming in and being so confident 
with so so little justification to be confident. Yeah, there's a there's a a quote. I think I've used it on this channel before. There's an Isaac Asimov quote where I believe he was specifically talking in, in context. He was talking about Americans having this problem of thinking that their opinions are as good as someone else's knowledge. Right. Yeah. And uh, this seems to be a global phenomenon, not just here. I mean, we, I don't know, maybe we invented it. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> take credit for it, but um, it's okay. Like, so, so on the, on the American <laughs> English thing, like kind of smugly as a British person, I've grown up for most of my life, looking at America and seeing like America leads the world on some things, but you have like Westboro Baptist Church and you know, you have, you have the crazies yeah. and we just don't have that here. And I just thought like, you know, well, we're always just a bit ahead of America and everything. Right. And in a lot of things we are. And now all of a sudden you're kind of like bits of America are much worse for trans rights, but we're kind of worse. And it's just weird to like look over and be like, the Americans are so sensible on this. Like, oh no. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to give us too much credit. I don't know. Well, it's just the thing that I see in, in the United States, and I, I don't know what the experience is in the UK. So I, I'm, this is me asking a question in a roundabout way is okay. people. It's like if someone doesn't know any trans people, then it's just like a thing that's out there. It's like, you might as well be talking about rights for fucking leprechauns. I mean, in, in yeah. their minds, it's like, is this isn't, are these even real people? And it's like, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. It, it's so easy to, to have a concept conceptual argument. And they're like, um, yeah. I think a good example once the economist posted this headline saying, should trans people be sterilized before they get legal rights? Just like a question, like, it's like you walk in and like, you know, you're just debating, like, just imagine if, if leprechauns were real, like, how, you know, should they get, like, it's that kind of thing, but they just publish this article saying, should mandatory sterilization be a thing? Let's debate. And it's like, you wouldn't post that about anyone who you thought was a human. Like, it's just so well, immoral. And, I, I, I just, and it's I, a real mainstream article, like, from The Economist, um, it's, who it's, are very one of the reasons why I'm so happy that you're doing the work that you're doing, I mean, just, I mean, there's so many people out there that are, that are, you know, sort of fighting this uphill battle, but I, I it seems like the, the ground is being gained um, of just putting a human face on yeah. a human issue. And yeah. it, it's, it's a shame that it even needs to happen. Um, but here we are. Um, Absolutely. So sort of dovetails into the next question, which is, where do you most obviously see bad epistemology manifesting in the world around you? This might be a silly question with this whole conversation Twitter. we've been having. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's difficult to have faith in humans after seeing like the state of how many people make these ridiculous decisions based on just utter nonsense. Yeah. Like we had um, this, we had, we had this law thing. This might be a bit of a sidetrack, but we had this law thing in the UK where they were looking to reform a law that affects trans people. And it was about um, updating birth certificates, which in the UK, it doesn't affect your ID. It doesn't affect what spaces you can use. It doesn't affect all kinds of things, but what it does affect is marriage, death, and things like leaving the country and adoption and you know, like a few corner cases. Um, and we had this big consultation and this huge media argument about it and stuff. And they ended up not reforming the law. Um, and the main argument was we're worried about like men and women's spaces, basically. But that isn't related to the law. Like we have a different law 
which decides what spaces trans people can use, which passed in 2010. And that was built on something built in 1999. But the reasoning here is like, we're worried about this, hmm. which is completely unrelated to this. And that's yeah. why we're not going to pass the second thing. And it's like this kind of lack of, I, I know that it, it, you could argue it as a lack of reasoning and for sure the people presented with this, some of them will have a lack of reasoning and some will just be completely ignorant that these two things are unconnected and some won't want to know the, the difference. Yeah. Um, but like just kind of the lack of critical thinking when, when someone says, I'm concerned about this and you're like, this concern isn't valid because of this fact, which is, you can just look up this fact. And then... They just don't want that. Yeah. So there's like no um, like follow through of ideas. People, I think that sometimes, you know, you know, humans are very good at compartmentalizing different bits of their worldview and bits of their worldview can be an open contradiction and they're just fine with that. And it, it just happens all the time. And like something that I do all the time is just worry about what if my worldview is contradictory and try and work it through. And sometimes I'll learn a new fact and I'll be like, I need to plow this through everything I know. Yeah. Um, and other people will just be like, oh, well, I believe this. And then I've got another hat on and now I believe this. And these are totally contradictory, but I'm just not going. And there's, I think that's quite a failing of um, reasoning and rationalization to not consider what of your positions contradict each other. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's a thing that most people think about it. It seems to me that, that, Comfort tends to be the the primary concern with with most sure. people most of the time, and and it's uncomfortable saying I don't know. And actually, we should circle back because you mentioned the Dunning Kruger effect, but we never really defined what that was. How would you describe that to people who might not know what you're talking about? Right. Um, so I think it's based on like a study by Dunning and Kruger. I believe um, Dunning and Kruger were involved in the effect. Yes, <laughs> to some extent. That's it. That's the end of my description. No. So it, the idea is that as a person who doesn't know much about the study, I'm very <laughs> confident about that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> so basically, the idea is that um, people who don't know anything about something, when they approach a topic and they learn a little bit, they think that's all there is to know. And so they're very confident that they know everything. Yeah. And then as you start learning more, you realize how much more there is to learn. And so your confidence really drops off. And it only starts recovering again as you become an expert. So you end up with this graph. Let me see if I can do the right. It's sort one. of a bell curve almost, but but really not even. It's not a perfect bell. Yeah. Yeah. It goes like a little, then it spikes, and it's like yeah. No people who know very little about things tend to be very confident about them, which yeah. uh, is a problem. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's really a people vote and they have Twitter accounts <laughs> and yeah, and we're a society of people sharing resources, so it becomes a fucking issue. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So the third question that I ask everyone is in your own life, sort of turning the mirror on ourselves, where do you see your own failures of critical thinking? Where, where are you most susceptible to bad epistemology in your own life? Yeah, that's an interesting question. That is, that's something that I really consider all the time. So when I encounter other people's arguments and they'll say like trans people are a cult, I'm like, well, that's nonsense. But I'm like, but what if they're right? And they're really trying, <laughs> you know, it's worth considering. Like what? Because it's worth knowing there are some people who are in a cult, and there are some people who are in a cult who think they're not in a cult. And I think I'm not in a cult. Hmm. So, wh what is the difference between me and them? 
Um, so I do try and do this reasoning. I think that, um, so like it's sort of the history uh, of my life in coming to where I am now. I was a Christian of sorts, like Church of England when I was younger. And I was also transphobic and homophobic. Um, and I am now an atheist and a trans person and fight for LG LGBT rights. Um, <clears throat> so there was something that I've confronted I think naturally I'm, I guess, like my next video I'm going to do is actually about how I'm like naturally an elitist and how that plays into like my position on things. I find it very easy to create like some set of rules which make me better than other people. Um, uh, I was wondering in what sense you meant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And like, you know, so you do something like, well, um, well, I can play guitar better than them, than them. So therefore I'm a better person than them. Or you know, you know, I'm a I'm a trans person who passes. Therefore, I'm better than trans people who don't pass. That kind of like you can apply this elitism to to everything in your life. And I think naturally, that is something that before my rational brain kicks in, my like irrational lizard brain. Well, your Englishness kicks in, and you, it's like hierarchies. It's like this is what yeah, we exactly. do, and we show up in your country, <laughs> and we're like, we should have right. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm I'm a peasant, so I I have no birthright. <laughs> right, right. My, sorry, my family is actually English. Um, my, oh. my mother's whole family is from uh, a town, uh, Danbury. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that. If I understand, it's a very small place. I've never, I've been to London. I've never been to the tiny town where my family's all, all from. But uh, you mentioned guitar. Can we talk for a second about how you're the guitarist for Dehumanot? I and, am. <laughs> and I, I was, I wanted to embarrass you a little bit um, because you were named by Louder Sounds as one of 13 next generation guitar heroes, the world, not just people on Twitter, but the world will be talking about in 2021. Will you talk about your band? <laughs> I am, I am like, I was so pleased with that. I couldn't, I, I feel like that's my single greatest achievement. Like, I don't care about like, I'm going on atheist parents, whatever, like who gives a shit? Like I was in <laughs> 2021 for like Louder Sound or Metal Hammer or whoever it is in whatever country. But like, um, yeah, it's really cool. So my band is, um, I describe it as in order, thrash, death, doom swing metal um so okay. we we play mainly fast noisy music yes um, there's bits where it goes slow and there's bits where it goes like sort of three four shuffle time uh swing time um and i, I think it's, it's quite interesting but yeah I was, yeah i'm the lead guitarist in the band i'm the only guitarist in the band that we we might soon get a second guitarist and um yeah we released our first album and it did really well and we, we actually broke even which is quite oh good. my gosh i i'm gonna grab my thing because i it's still open on my spotify i i listened to the album a couple of times and oh. the uh it was one song in particular that i thought was was i mean listen to the whole album people i'm gonna put a link to the album in the description for this video but um i was listening to the song eyes to the sky when oh, we yeah. began our our one with the oh, solo okay, so that one. well the one there was one that was um this is this is bad interviewing i'm doing i should have had this break. in the ruins of light in the ruins of light was the one that yeah. i listened to they had this sort of like surf guitar kind of a break thing going on in it, it, it i mean who yeah. are your influences oh so i'm i'm so like i'm in i'm very enthusiastic about um atheism and skepticism and arguing and then i would say that i'm a bit more enthusiastic about feminism and lgbt rights and like you know you could talk to me about you could talk with me all night about atheism, but you could, like, I'll get a bit hype about LGBT rights. But then, you know, those videos where there's like the star and then it zooms out and there's a bigger star and then it zooms yeah. out and there's a 
Like, yeah, yeah. That's, like I'm like for metal, and like you know, someone will be they'll think I'm enthusiastic about LGBT rights, and I'll be passionate, and then they'll be like, "So, what's your favorite German thrash metal band from the '80s?" And I'll be like, "We are going to talk all night." <laughs> right, it's like how much time do you have? Okay, so in, in the interest of time, who would be your top three? Let's say top five guitarists all time. Who who do you put on the on the in the oh, pantheon? God. Um, I'm probably going to have to say, like, going off influences for me, um, Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Sure. Although he's a complete knobhead, like, absolutely, like, he, his riffs, like, influenced me amazingly. Um, a guy called, I'm not sure if I can pronounce this right, Mohamed Screamers, Screamers, um, from a band called Nef Necrophagist. I'm sure that was perfect. Yeah, um, uh, like, absolutely amazing. Um, Paul Wagner from Between the Buried and Me, Canadian, like, prog metal band meets hardcore, like, Absolutely amazing. Um, maybe Herman Lee from Dragon Force. Absolutely love Dragon Force. Like, I just love Mindless Shred. I'm and wondering if, if, yeah, so is your criteria sort of like like virtuoso technical proficiency? Is that what you are drawn to? Is it? When I was younger, that was because I was, I'm an elitist and naturally, and so I was like, the better at guitar you are, the better the music are. And now I'm more like, I like all kinds of stuff for emotions oh. and everything. But like the guitarists that influenced me the most growing up were lots of these technical, you know, difficult, interesting, thoughtful guitarists. Um, but also I just like really obnoxious loud music. So I guess my last guitarist award is gonna go to, um, oh God, I forgot his name, the guy from Municipal Waste. Municipal Waste are like a crossover thrash band and they're just like obnoxious. Uh, not, they're the definition of obnoxious and that's why I love them, so. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, everybody check out, check out Katie's band. It, it, I mean, listen, Fast Metal isn't for everybody, but it should be. And it's a very, very good album. And this was your debut album. You, you didn't have like an EP or anything before? No, this is a debut album. And we like, if it weren't for the, like, we're in intense lockdown over here in England, yeah. but we've nearly written all the rest of the second album. So that hopefully is coming out this year. Okay. That's it. It's interesting. Yeah. Quarantine has done funny things to musicians. I can't, I can't wait to see the sort of explosion of, of quarantine jams. Um, I'm, so, I'm so ready for playing gigs and watching bands and running around in a circle. <laughs> do you have plans to tour across the pond? That would be amazing. I mean, we'll see how much hype there is. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm ready for everything, but like my drummer, right is, like, he's in loads of bands and he's in loads of like quite decent bands. Um, so I'm hoping he's got the contacts. So okay. anyone watching, like who wants to book us? <laughs> yeah. Any record producers who happen to subscribe to my channel, promoters, the Coachella yeah. people, you guys are on here, right? Reach out to Katie directly. Um, okay, the last question. Um, and thank you so much for being here. I, I, I'm just thrilled to be talking to you. Um, so the last question I ask everyone, how do you think we should, as people who are here as like public skeptic people, publicly sort of like thoughtful, humanist type of people. How should we be communicating the importance of critical thinking of sound epistemology to people? Sorry, my cat's shouting. Um, Your cat's an opinion on this, I can tell. <laughs> You're a street epistemologist, aren't you, Poppy? Um, I think, yeah, communicating how important critical thinking is, 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 is really difficult because in a way, when you say to someone, like critical thinking is important. Is that's kind of an insult, isn't it? Because it's kind they of they hear like, you calling them dumb, even though you're not. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's kind of. Um, so it's it. You need a good way of introducing it. I'm, I guess one of the things I focus on is education for young people. Like I think LGBT issues should be taught, and sex education should be taught from like the start of school. 
Mm. And I also think the same for critical thinking. So I, I guess when I've thought about this before, my argument has been, I would like to campaign to teach critical thinking to children from like age four up. And it will make such a difference. And I know that like recently, I think I saw on Twitter about Finland has been teaching like primary school children, how, or whatever you call them, first grade, I don't know, um, kids to recognize fake news. And mm. I think that, that's so important. Um, and I think maybe that's a good way of getting people into it. If you say that everyone's aware of the concept of fake news and even the most crazy like QAnon people and the most like skeptical people, they all have some idea of fake news. Yeah. And I think you can get everyone on board with the idea of like, we want to teach you and your children how to recognize fake news. And like the issue might be then like, you know, oh, actually everything you believe is the fake news. But like right. um, that, that might be a way to, to get to people. And you can say to people like, you know, obviously there are people out there with ridiculous beliefs, whoever you are and however ridiculous your beliefs are, there are going to be people you consider to have ridiculous beliefs. Mm. And you can think of them like everyone needs critical thinking. You need it. I need it. No one's going to be perfect and we can all improve on it. So let's all work to a world where critical thinking is like prioritized really. It's, it's kind of, I know everyone kind of argues this for everything they care about, but in a way it's one of the most important things because once you've got critical thinking, you can do your own personal life much better, but also your political life much better um, in a way that works better for you and for other people around you. Um, and I'm always suspicious of people who are against teaching yeah. critical thinking to people. Yeah, I, I have <laughs> met people like that because yeah. they often see it as like, a dog whistle for getting rid of religion or yeah, yeah. rid of their beliefs. So you need to sell it in a way which doesn't come across to them as a dog whistle. Because right. I mean, in a way, it, I mean, it's not a dog whistle in the, the classical sense of what a dog whistle is, where you're concealing what you really want. But like, we are two people who feel like critical thinking will lead you to a position of supporting LGBT rights and possibly being an atheist. And so that kind of is what we're saying. So to these people who are religious anti-LGBT people, they're like, uh, well, your critical thinking just means you're going to get my kids to be degenerates or something. Yeah. Um, so it's it, like you kind of want to sell it on an idea that doesn't sound like that, which is, I guess, why I'd go for fake news. But, um, yeah, it's yeah. very difficult. To... It is, well, yeah, I mean, it, it's... it. <sighs> What you seem to be talking about is is the problem of, of I mean, I, I'm sure that if, if someone was to come at you and say something that at first you did, let me re, back up. I am told all the time by people, they'll say, they'll make some some terrible argument and I'll, I'll say, here's why this argument doesn't work for me or anybody, it shouldn't work <laughs> for you. And, and they'll be like, well, you just don't want to believe what I'm saying. Yeah. And and then telling people, I, I want to believe true things. And based on the the lack of merit or whatever of your argument, I, I can't know that what you're telling me is true. Um, that seems to really confuse people. It's like when you start going, I really, really just want to believe true things. Um, okay. And if skepticism obliterates your position, if 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 critical thinking destroys your position, um, maybe it maybe it should be destroyed. And I think that applies to bigotry in in all forms. Yeah. I, I think on that i think there's this kind of 
idea in society like that you see all the time where someone's like i'm entitled to my opinion and that annoys me so much like yes you are allowed to think what you want you yeah. are allowed to believe anything however your opinion might be worthless like literally might have zero value so like don't when i when you say like i think the moon doesn't exist and i'm like it's there like, like for that one <laughs> when they say i'm yeah i'm entitled to my opinion i'm like i'm not trying to stop you from thinking i'm not trying yeah. to shut down your freedom of speech what i'm saying is your opinion is worthless and i think that it's worth like i I, I kind of want to fight about fight back against this. Everyone's entitled to their opinion in in a sensible way because it's not an attack on freedom of speech. It's an attack on freedom of being ignorant without repercussions. I I, I think it's very important to say some opinions are terrible. Well, sure. Like, if you think that women are worse than men, your opinion is bad. And like I can we can rationally explain why. But it's not like my opinion that your opinion is bad. It's there are some opinions that are just demonstrably worse than other opinions right so well, and this idea of, of like well i'm entitled to my opinion and, and you know obviously yes you are but why would you want to hold on to a bad one yeah and and is that really your best defense like when you when you come at my opinion i can go well actually here's the reasons it's based on these facts and i made these logical conclusions what's your reason they're like i'm entitled to it yeah it's like yeah. single worse it's like the last line in the sand that you're clinging on to but you should open with the reason why I hold my opinion is because it's rational and consistent with the evidence that we know as a human society rather than because I want to have an opinion. <laughs> well, on that note, where can people find you, Katie? Where, where, where should people look forward to your, your next work? What do you, what have you got going on? So if you want to come and see me arguing in the trenches on Twitter, <laughs> um, I am at Katie Montgomery as my name is just here um come join in the brawl it's uh it's spicy um if you want to just see a summary of the arguments i've encountered the week i do a show at 9 p.m uk time i'm not oh california time i think that's like 1 p.m um on fridays and i just summarize the week's arguments and we laugh at them together and we discuss them together um critical issues like potato naming <laughs> controversies here in the united states which was on today's <laughs> Podcast. Oh God, yeah. If it's you know what I'm talking about, go watch Katie's video immediately. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I've got a show about the anti-trans conspiracy theory on Saturdays, which is also at 9 p.m. UK time. And I've just announced a new project, which is um going to be basically a rip-off of the atheist experience and talk heathen and all those shows, but for trans issues. Um, so if you have a question about trans people, come find uh, the Transatlantic Calling Show, and also is that, is that what you're going to call it? Is that yeah? Because it's me and an American trans right. woman, so we're like yeah. across the Atlantic. So it's going to be cool. And yeah, I'm going to be on the Atheist Experience for the first time on March the 21st. So come and call in and like write some hype comments about me. On the, there on the you show. go. <laughs> awesome. Well, gosh, it's been a pleasure, Katie. Yeah, thank, thank you so you much. Me. It's been yeah. Really fun. I know it's late in the UK. So I, I really sincerely appreciate uh, not just you being here, but everything that you're, you're doing. So thank you. Well, right. thanks for having me.
I was gonna tease at the end, like, and next time we have Katie on, will be like Ibanez versus Jackson. What's the <laughs> act for the next? Answer is Ibanez green guitar. Yeah, no, I, I saw that. Yeah, that that was what you were rocking. You you've done some some stuff with it. What's your whole setup, if you don't mind me asking? I I know I don't want to keep you, but no, no, it's no problem. I also have the 